bum bum bottom 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 bum
We have just been panic kids in the candy store, just like gorging ourselves <laughs> on all of these wonderful, beautiful comics. And we still didn't get to taste it all. There are just so many good comics last year. But we are not judging ourselves no. for missing any of those comic books. Uh, as you should know already from past best of CBCC episodes, these categories are chosen based on the comics that we loved. And, you know, so if we had like two favorite number ones, that's okay. We'll still have a best number one category, but then we'll find other ways to fit our favorite number ones into this episode. Our couplies or whatever, whatever they're <laughs> going to be called, they have no title, they have no consistency, and they have no merit. This is just two people looking at each other going like, what do you wanna talk about? Ooh, I love that book. What do I wanna talk about, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you want a more traditional best of list from Comic Book Couples Counseling, you can actually head on over to Comics Bookcase, where Lisa contributed to their end of the year list. And you can go to Film School Rejects, where I put together my 15 favorite comics of 2021. Links in the show notes. And the other great thing about this episode, which is different than past CBCC end of the year episodes, is that we invited a bunch of people to contribute their favorite comics to this episode. So scattered throughout this episode and the episode that follows it, you will hear from various personalities, podcasters, journalists, offering their favorites. I think one of the things that Lisa and I wanted to do this year in 2022 is lift all the voices that we admire so much. And so we reached out to our friends and people we want to be our friends <laughs> and we asked them, hey, What's your favorite comic book from 2021? Give us a few minutes about it, and we're going to include it in the episode. It's kind of inspired by the Film Spotting podcast. Uh, they are a, a movie podcast. They're a great movie podcast. And every year when they do their top 10, they invite people like David Chen from the Filmcast or Dana Stevens from Slate to offer their opinions. And I just love it so much. It becomes such a celebration. And I think that's something that's sort of missing from the comic book space. You know, I was listening to that episode and then the Comics Collective podcast reached out to us and asked us, hey, would we put a clip together of our favorite comic for their end of the year episode? And so we did that. So I like that this is in people's heads right now and I would like to see more roundtable celebrations in these comic book podcast type things. And I love that it has us talking about more comics and comics we didn't even get to read. Yeah, yeah. So we just end up with overall more titles. Right, absolutely. So if you look to the show notes, you will see the people who contributed to this episode and you will also see timestamps for every category. So let's say you're not actually interested in what the best biographical comic is. You can skip that to the next category. Or if we start to talk about it and you don't want to be spoiled about the plot of that storyline, you can skip to the next timestamp. But why would you skip any of this gold? Ah, you know, people are people. We are dropping bone mows over here. <laughs> bone mows, okay. En you, français. You will also find in the show notes links to these contributors. Please go visit their Twitter handles. Please go visit their websites and podcasts. Uh, share their websites and podcasts. What's that Leonard Nimoy quote I tweeted out a little while ago? The more you share, the more you have. That's what we want in 2022. It has been 
a weird couple of years. Yeah. But where we have found a lot of joy and a lot of hope is in this community, getting excited about sharing stories and, and learning about our lives through these stories. Yeah, you people out there, you beautiful listeners, you have been, like, we've survived this year because of you. So thank you. And thank you for introducing us to more comics and more creators and more journalists and podcasters and all those rad people. So this is just the beginning of our celebration of comics and the people who love comics this year. Yeah, and you know, 2021 was a great year for comics. I think 2022 will be a great year for comics. And I think this is a great place to start the meat of the episode. And why don't we have David Brook of AIPT Comics kick things off? Yeah. Good Lord, what a great year for comics, 2021. You know, I was asked to talk about my favorite comic of 2021 and it's very, very hard. Uh, to start, my name is David Brooke. Uh, I write for, co-own, and manage AIPTcomics.com. I also co-host AIPT Comics Podcast. Um, and <laughs> having the opportunity to read a lot more comics than maybe the average reader across all publishers, it's very tricky to narrow down my favorite. I mean, we've got The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, The Dreaming Waking Hours. Um, I mean, superhero books, too, were, were great, like Beta Ray Bill. Uh, I mean, Crisis Zone was fantastic uh, from Fanagraphics. The Good Asian, uh, Strange Adventures. <laughs> I actually reviewed uh, near 400 uh, comics, single-issue comics in 2021. So it makes it a little easier to narrow down. And I have to say, Homesick Pilots by Dan Waters and Casper Wishingard was my favorite series. It did start in 2020 at the very end in December, but I actually talked about this on the Best of 2021 AIPT Comics podcast, the book was just fantastic. Every single issue. And also so very punk, so very cool. Um, you know, I've seen people talk lately about how comics are punk. Um, and they really are, especially when you consider the artistic uh, flourishes that a lot of these artists do, including Casper, who not only uh, pencils, but also colors this book. And he colors it in these bright pinks and purples, which is already a dead giveaway for why I liked it. But it's so surreal, and it also has this fantastic story um, that's basically a twist on the haunted house. And also, it turns the haunted house into a kaiju battle, uh, which is just so cool. Um, but yeah, the book is incredible, um, also because of how it's written and paced. It has a, a blending of all these great ideas, and it's one of those series that you read and you go, hmm, I actually want to see this in a TV format. I bet they could really do something with this. So Homesick Pilots is definitely my favorite series of the year. Uh, that's from Image Comics. I believe the first volume's out now. Yeah, it's totally just a, a real trip. And if, if uh, you're a longtime reader, I think you'll enjoy it and respect it for what it does differently. And if you're a lapsed fan, I think you could get into this book too because, you know, it just it offers something completely different and kind of invigorates you if you're kind of, you know, bored of the same old, same old in comics, especially superhero comics, which tend to be kind of similar in many ways. But yeah, that's my favorite comic of 2021. And uh, thanks for listening. And thanks for having me, Brad and Lisa. The pleasure is all ours, David. Thank yeah. you for joining us on this episode and getting things started. What I love about David's clip is how he starts off saying, what a great year for comics 2021 was. We totally believe that to be the case. Uh, we have not 
red homesick pilots. But we now we have to because one, David has extraordinary taste. Obviously. And two, haunted house kaiju battle? Yeah, I yeah, I'm 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 sold. I'm sold on it. So that is in our pile to read at the start of 2022. Uh, so our first category, like trying to get these categories to fit with these clips, it's a little wonky, guys. So you just got to <laughs> give us a little leeway. But our first category is best digital release of 2021. And I could pick so many titles. Especially because every comic also comes out as a digital release. <laughs> right, right. But right now this is a digital exclusive, although it is going to end up being in print through Dark Horse Comics. But right now it's a Comixology Unlimited title. It's part of Scott Snyder's Best Jacket Press collaborations. And picking one was actually difficult. We enjoyed all three, Night of the Ghoul with Francesco Francavia, Clear with Francis Manipal, and We Have Demons with Greg Capullo. But Lisa, we ended up picking... Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Oh, uh... <laughs> we have demons. Yay. Scott Snyder, writer. Greg Capullo, pencils. Jonathan Glapian, inks. Dave McKaig on colors. And Tom Napolitano on letters. Yeah. So why did we ultimately decide on We Have Demons over the other two Best Jacket Press comics, which again, we said we loved? For me, We Have Demons just turned out to be the book that resonated with me the most. I found myself mentally and emotionally returning to that story and yearning to continue that conversation that it starts about how faith and how you approach faith can either be a confining thing or a world and mind mm. opening thing. I find myself relating to Lamb at the center of the story so much because she is a person who has seen and witnessed magic. Mm. She senses the infinite possibilities of reality, but she still is struggling with, okay, well, how does this come back to me as an, an individual? What does this mean in terms of the person I'm going to become. Yeah, that emotional experience we have demons totally delivers on, which is just a giant bonus mm -hmm. on a Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo collaboration, right? These are the guys who were the metal titans over at DC Comics, and now they are free from corporate comics. Are they going to deliver on an unrestrained creativity? And I felt like they did. This is a metal as hell comic. It has some incredibly rad monsters in it. It is a beautiful, gnarly, grisly book. And it is so heartfelt, like you're saying. All three of Scott Snyder's digital releases... That sounds dirty, but <laughs> um, all three. Something you do while you're watching other things, a digital <laughs> release. <laughs> but like all three of his titles do have this ongoing theme that mm -hmm. relates to all of them, which to me just means that this is what's on Scott Snyder's mind as a writer. Yeah, and he's only just getting started with these Best Jacket comicsology collaborations, right? He has so many more titles coming out in the very near, near future, and We Have Demons, the third issue, is about to drop. And I just think when you look back on 2021 and you look at all of the event comics that happened, for me, like, the biggest event 
was Scott Tober in October when all this stuff began. Clearly, Scott Snyder is at the peak of his powers. He is unleashed. And talking about people who are unleashed, we have a <laughs> clip from the guys behind the Deer Watchers podcast, Guido and Rob. Hi, I'm Guido. And I'm Rob. And we are the co-hosts of Dear Watchers, a comic book omniverse podcast where we do a deep dive into the multiverse. And into the long-running Marvel comic book series, What If, looking at storylines before and after that inspired or took inspiration from the alternate universe. And we are here thanks to the fantastic Brad and Lisa at Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast to share our favorite comic of 2021. And as someone who reads hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics. It's very hard to choose one, but the comic I found myself most often referring to other people and even buying as a gift for some people is Radiant Black, out from Image Comics from writer Kyle Higgins and artist Marcelo Costa. Radiant Black is super fun. It's a little meta, referring to a bit about what it means to be a superhero and it starts to surprise you. And without spoiling anything, as you progress through, layers peel back and the characters are amazing. And then you hit issues nine and 10, and it just starts to do things that only comics can do. And I absolutely love Radiant Black. And I'm glad it's an ongoing series, but it was one of my favorite comics of 2021. Well, I, unlike you, Guido, do not read hundreds and hundreds of comics. I'm pretty selective and I read a lot of horror comics especially so the comic I'm going to choose and this certainly is probably going to be putting me on a watch list somewhere but it would be Red Room (laughs) by Ed Pisker and Red Room basically is the subtitle is the anti-social network and it basically takes a look at the dark web and these evil rooms where people get tortured and murdered But it also really goes into the whole backstory of that. And of course, I love a speculative fiction story. I'm the co-host of a What If Omniverse podcast. So of course that makes sense. So I love that this really goes in depth into not only what is happening in these Red Rooms, but the creation of the Red Rooms. Each issue is a standalone. So it all feeds into the overall universe. You can read each issue on its own. And I especially really loved issue number four, which really pays tribute to EC Comics and has several different stories as part of the larger issue. So it's very dark. It's certainly not for everyone, but the art is amazing. The world building is amazing. And I would certainly recommend it for folks that are not of the faint of heart. (laughs) So check those out in 2022, our favorite picks from 2021, and listen to Dear Watchers after you're done listening to Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast every week. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Brad and Lisa. Thank you. You are so welcome, Guido and Rob. I could not love those two anymore. They're They're just the best. Um, And if anything shows that there is a comic out there for everyone, it is the contrast of Radiant Black (laughs) and Red Room. Yeah, uh, we read Red Room. Um, It's it's just not for us. I like Ed Pisker's cartooning. I love X-Men Grand Design. WYSIWYG was like a big deal for me when it came out. But I just can't go there with Red Room. But I'm so glad that Rob can and like revel in its nasty. 
And I do think it serves as a great transition for our next category, which is Best Biographical Comic, and the book we selected was Did You Hear What Eddie Gein Done? from writers Harold Schechter and Eric Powell, and Eric Powell, of course, providing art based on Harold Schechter's writing and research. Did You Hear What Eddie Gein Done? is a perfect example of how every type of story can function and thrive in a comic book. Mm. This is a true crime story. Harold Schechter is a crime writer. He's actually the definitive biographer on the monster, Eddie Gein. And I have a complicated relationship with true crime as a genre. Both of us have gone down that rabbit hole of watching documentary after documentary. And... Once you become fully immersed, you forget about some of the artifice that is involved. We find ourselves getting all fired up, like, how could they ignore this piece of evidence? And truly, and we forget that there is a director, there is a writer who is presenting a thesis statement. And we fool ourselves that we are watching something that is a representation of the truth. Right. And what I think works so perfectly in comic book form is that you never forget the hand of the creative who is speculating Mm. on the facts, the quote-unquote facts of the case. And you know through the narrative that we're just kind of grabbing at straws trying to get down to what can take a child and turn him into... And Ed Gein. Yeah, and and that's what I really appreciated about this book is that exploration of empathy with one of the worst people this planet has ever produced and how this book truly reminds you that Ed Gein was not a monster, he was a human. And I think that is something we have struggled with a lot in these last two years, is looking at these individuals on this planet and seeing them as monsters, otherizing them. And I think when you when you do that, you really do a disservice to your own experience on this planet. And I am struggling so hard to understand the people that do not operate the way I operate And I find value in remembering that Ed Gein was a child. And I think this comic brings a lot of empathy to the character. And I just got a lot of value out of that. I also think that there is a theme in this book about how art is one of the ways that we process trauma. Yeah. And we've seen... Uh, the ripple effects of the terrible thoughts that Ed Gein's story has put in our head in our pop culture. Right, yeah, that's, yeah, like how Ed Gein feeds Alfred Hitchcock and Toby Hooper and we get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Psycho. It's very complicated and this book did not solve my struggle with true crime in any way and like, should we be celebrating these figures and not the victims? Like, uh, you know... Am I going to stop reading and watching true crime? Definitely not. But Uh, just as human beings, we are going to continue to wring that rag, you know, and get all we and get all of the juice out of it. I don't know. And, and, you know, like as an art, a piece of art, Eric Powell has never been better. I think out of respect for the victims, I think that this is his most careful, his most considered art. And it's it's 
gory and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's Eric Powell's masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And it makes for a really awkward transition <laughs> into our next category. But to help us, we have Dan Gavazdan of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, one of our faves. We love this guy. And he has a very unique perspective on the year that was. Hey, comic book couples counseling, it's Dan Gavazdan from the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, and I wanted to talk a little bit about some of my favorite comics that helped me get through the year 2021, and man, was 2021 a tough year. For a number of reasons for me, I'm sure you can guess most of them, but also because it was kind of a weird year for Spider-Man comics, which is really what my show covers. And so... I wanted to kind of discuss some of my favorite Spider-Man comics, even if the year was a bit odd and didn't really release many that I enjoyed all that much. But I think the best place to really start is in the B titles, because yet again, Jed McKay's Black Cat wowed me this year. I know it ended, you know, probably a little earlier than I would have liked, but the Infinity Score storyline that saw Black Cat get the Infinity Gauntlet and take on some of the toughest villains in the Marvel Universe was just thrilling. Black Cat as a solo title should probably just not work generally, but Jed McKay made it the most exciting book on the uh, shelves each month for me. I couldn't wait to read it. Whether she was becoming immortal or getting the Infinity Gauntlet, just two stories that I can't imagine working in a Black Cat book, Jed McKay made them work. Yeah, the Black Cat book didn't have a consistent artist, But it had consistently great lettering. I know that's a weird thing to highlight, but this book really took a bunch of chances in the way that most Marvel books don't, and I kind of wanted to highlight that for it. The next book I really wanted to shout out was Spider-Man Life Story Annual Number 1. Now, I know the annuals often get a bit short shrift and they get mocked as not counting on my show and others, but this Spider-Man Life Story Annual Number 1 I thought was probably the best in the entire Life Story story. It came out way later than the rest of it. I don't think anybody was expecting a new chapter in the Life Story story, but what Chip Zdarsky did to add on to his mythos by focusing on J. Jonah Jameson through the decades was really, really exciting, especially because it got Mark Bagley. I think it gave him a little bit more of a chance to deliver on the art that he does best without the pressure of a crazy schedule, because the pencils in this book were absolutely gorgeous. Now, that could be Andrew Hennessy's inks or Matt Miller's colors. I mean, they definitely helped. But this is the most beautiful-looking Mark Bagley book I've seen in quite some time, and it helped that he had a great script from Chip Zdarsky to back it up. And lastly, I wanted to shout out anything from Zeb Wells and Patrick Gleason in the Spider-Man universe. We've got Spider-Man Beyond going on right now. And while I haven't been thrilled with every chapter, if I see the name Zeb Wells or Patrick Gleason on it, I know it's going to be great. Issues 75 and 76 by Zeb Wells really kicked off the storyline really excitingly. It got me pumped for Spider-Man books, unlike I have been for years. And then you've got Patrick Gleason's amazing artwork on the book to really make it sing. But then recently we had issue 83 where Patrick Gleason took on writing duties and art duties. And boy, was it one of the best issues of Spider-Man I've read in a long time. Get that guy his own adjectiveless Spider-Man book. 
So anyway, those are some of the Spider-Man comics that thrilled me in 2021. I've read so many other comics that are worthy of mention, but I'll just keep it to the Spidey stuff and let you guys do the hard work on all the other amazing titles that are out there each week. Thanks again for an awesome show week in and week out. I can't wait to hear where you guys go next. And here's to 2022. Thanks, Dan. Love that selection of Spidey titles, right? But not as much as I love his perspective as a Spider-Man fan in a year that has been uh, difficult for Spider-Man fans. And anyone who has been listening to the Amazing Spider Talk show, he and Mark Giannacchio have been having just like the best review sessions. And uh, they've been highly entertaining and entertaining in a way that often the comics weren't for me. But isn't that the peril and the drama of being a fan of a character versus being a fan of a writer or an artist? Like, to me, that's the closest equivalent to maybe being a sports fan. Like, I've been... I've been a fan of sports teams since I was nine (laughs) years old. You couldn't think of a sports team. I couldn't think of one example. How about the Bills, Lisa? Okay, okay. I've been a fan since of the Bills since I was nine years old, and now all of the all of the players are different, but I still follow them. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about how that relates to the conversation around annuals and whether they count or not. Annuals totally count, except uh, of course when they do not. Yes, right. That's the thing, right? So we're in the camp where we can dismiss the annuals that we don't like, just like we can dismiss the stories we don't like. And when we follow a character that we love, when that character strays into narratives that we are not responding to, we just pop those right out of our headcanon. And the great thing about Spider-Man is that he has so many titles and such a rich history that literally anyone can build a headcanon based on Spider-Man and have it be really personal and meaningful to them. And I think that's the perfect place to start the transition into our next category. Because comic books have literally been a salve for us in 2021. We found stories that refill our well of hope and joy and optimism. One of the things that Lisa and I were talking about before recording this episode was last year was really the year that we embraced young adult and all ages comics. So many of our favorite comics this year fall into that category and just picking one was impossible. And guess what? We did it. (laughs) There are many all ages and young adult comics in your future. But up first is Jonna and the Impossible Monsters written by Chris Samney and Laura Samney, art by Chris Samney, colors by Matthew Wilson, Letters by Crank, published by Oni Press. Jonna, oh my goodness, I love this book so much. I didn't think I would find another Chris Samney book that I loved as much as Firepower, which we named uh, Best Ongoing last year. But oh my God, like Jonna. This book touches my heart, especially when I think about how Chris and Laura created this story for their daughters, inspired by their daughters. And it's all about what it means to be a sibling Mm. and to be a family member and how that's a kind of love that is unconditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Chris Samney is... Uh, like outdoing himself, just like how Eric Powell, like in 2021, took it up a notch. Chris Samney with Jana, with Firepower, took it up a notch. And I love how this post-apocalyptic landscape isn't 
Fury Road. You know, it's not something oppressively scary and sad. It's just this jungle environment with weird monsters peppered throughout. And there is danger. There are threats around every corner, but it is a world that you like being a part of. Like it's not oppressive in any way. It's gorgeous. And one of the things we found ourselves really loving in all ages comics is that they all tend to be about something. They all hold this piece of wisdom or this perspective. It's humanity focused, like all ages comics right now, very humanity focused and I need to be humanity focused. I'm excited to see where this story goes. Like um, even up until the last issue, there's still so many secrets, so many questions <laughs> yeah. in the back of our minds about the origins of Jana. Yeah, but you've been sort of guessing this is coming. Like, we're not going to spoil it here, but <laughs> like you kind of knew where it was going from the beginning. I'm a very close reader <laughs> and um, they've done a really good job in, uh, what is it called? Foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. And my only concern with Jana is that I'm not sure how much Jana we have left. Mm. Like, are we building, are Chris and Laura building to an ending very soon? And we're only going to get like two volumes, maybe three volumes of Jana. I don't want it to end. I want this to be like a bone-like epic. You have to live in the present, Brad. Okay. Enjoy the Jana that you have in your hands right now. I will. I will. Thank you, Lisa. And like we said, we're not done with all ages in young adult entertainment yet. So helping us introduce our next category are Mike and Jessica from the Tencent Takes podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Mike from Tencent Takes. And I'm Jessica. Hey, we're super excited to be here for the best comics of 2021 for comic book couples counseling. Yeah, it feels like we're sitting at the popular table. Oh, don't I know it. Goodness. OK, so Jessica, what was your favorite comic of 2021? I'm curious. Oh, oh, Mike, you know, I'm a Turtles fan. <laughs> <laughs> Die hard Turtles fan. So the last Ronin, I just sunk my teeth into that one this year and I had it on my pull list and just the artwork was beautiful. It was gritty. I just I love the, the standalone turtle idea. And it's just it's phenomenal. It's amazing. So hands down, my favorite 2021 comic. Yeah, I don't know why I even asked. I should have known this based on all of our discussions we've had this year. <laughs> I'm pretty predictable as far as that goes. If you throw good Turtles content at me, I, I am absolutely there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gasping in Spanish. <laughs> well, what about you, Mike? You know, there were so many great comic books that came out this year. It's hard to choose just one. I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I was honestly going to go with The Nice House on the Lake by James Tinian, but I wound up having my socks knocked off at the last minute by Tom Taylor's new series for DC, Dark Knights of Steel. It feels like this was Taylor's year, to be honest. He's been doing a lot of fun stuff, like especially imaginary stories for both DC and Marvel, and I haven't come across one that I haven't enjoyed, but Dark Knights of Steel feels really special. The best way I can describe it is that it's like this mix of King Arthur or Game of Thrones with the DC universe. The basic setup is that when Krypton explodes, Superman and his parents wind up in a medieval fantasy version of Earth and they become rulers of a kingdom. And Batman is there. He's apparently in charge of their armed forces and their spy network. And there's all sorts of political machinations going on with other kingdoms. And it's also extremely queer, which shouldn't come as any surprise since Taylor's the guy who wrote 
Superman Son of Kal-El, where Superman Son Jonathan came out as bi this year. And it's illustrated by Yasmin Putri, and her artwork is just, it's perfect. Like this, it's beautiful. It has this painterly style that just fits the story perfectly, and I really love it. And I can't wait to see how it continues. I love that. I'll have to check that one out myself. Yeah. Well, Brad and Lisa, thank you so much for having us, and back to your regularly scheduled content. Bye. I love those two. Me too. They had us on their podcast to discuss Deathmate, the Image Comics Valiant Comics crossover event. And that discussion led to us covering Wen and Carmen from The Second Life of Dr. Mirage, a couple I had no interest in before the Deathmate chat. And then I left 2021 going, are they my favorite superhero couple? Maybe. Yeah. And I really like the picks, The Nice House on the Lake, a comic that I, I mean, I loved that first issue. I thought it was a great first issue. And then it kept getting better and better. And then for whatever reason, I stopped reading, but I need to get back to it. And then The Last Ronin, Lisa and I love The Last Ronin. And I think it's The Last Ronin which explains their placement on this episode leading into our next category, Best Young Adult Comic. Because, you know, Ninja Turtles, it started out as this Daredevil parody that then became this hit cartoon series, this children's program, this phenomenon. But the comics never quit. And where they are right now is kind of like looking back at the origins and extrapolating what it would be like if there was only one turtle left on the planet. And our pick for best young adult graphic novel, I feel like it just sort of belongs in that space. And it is Lisa. What? Bubble by Jordan Morris and Sarah Morgan, illustrated by Tony Cliff, colors by Natalie Reese. This is a controversial pick for best <laughs> young adult graphic novel because nobody else in the comics sphere, including first, second books, and the creators of this comic consider this a young adult graphic novel. But why do we? The term young adult, as it's used by publishers today, generally means readers between the ages of 13 and 19 because when that classification was created, the word teenagers did not exist. And I, I think that now like teenagers love to go to the young adult section because it sounds aspirational. They're like, we're not kids anymore. We, we wanna aspire to do better, be better. We're going to go to the young adult section where we're being treated like peers, like adults. And a lot of these books carry in them like a little piece of wisdom, a little bit of advice that these readers can carry into adulthood. I think that Bubble is a graphic novel for literally young adults. I'm thinking people who are in their early 20s going, I just finished being a teenager. Maybe I'm finishing college. I'm expected to have this plan for starting my career and I just don't feel ready and I don't feel grounded. And for me, Bubble is a book about like saying it's okay to not be settled in yourself or settled in your career or have a direction for your life in mind. The most important thing is that you are finding what makes you happy. You are doing the things that help you feel fulfilled and that you're in company that you genuinely enjoy. I think that this is a great book for that 
like kind of squishy time. Yeah, and it is discussing that uh, life experience through a very funny lens. It's so fun. And yes, there are swears in it, <laughs> and there is reference to adult activities. But it is satirical, and it is savagely attacking a lot of our experience uh, in the online space, in the hipster space. It's another book that says, like, being able to fit in is overrated. Mm. Like, everybody, like, it's like we're still in 80s movies where they're like, I'm a jock and I'm mm -hmm. a soch and whatever. Where it's just like, um, now we have hipsters, we have yuppies. Yeah, the clicks are all out there. But, like, Bubble is saying, like, you don't have to fit perfectly anywhere. All you have to do is be at peace with yourself and have some good friends. And like Jana and the Impossible Monsters, it presents a post-apocalyptic landscape that is not horrendous. It is a world that is attractive and interesting and I would like to explore further. I love Tony Cliff as an artist. Oh, yeah, he so has good. such a sense of humor in his art. His yeah. action is so fun. His and acting is so spot on. The so expressions emotive. on his characters are whoa. And Natalie Reese's colors totally oh, pop. Of course. But for me, I love the dialogue that Jordan Morris and Sarah Morgan have created. I think that they are so snappy, so funny. All of these characters have a voice and I just fell for every single one of them. Yeah, Bubble has been one of those books that when birthdays have come up recently, we have just been handing it to as many people as we possibly I, can. I gave it to two different people for Christmas. We ended up giving our own copy away, <laughs> but we saved the autographed book plate. Yeah, so, so I can stick that in my next copy once I pick it up. Yeah, so if you have not read bubble yet go grab a copy also first second books they just put out like a really great product like it feels good in your hands so going into our final category for this episode of this episode we have the bitches on comics podcast to run wild we're yeah. here uh, i'm uh, essie oh, Flinor, I'm, and i'm sarah century <laughs> allow me to introduce my co-host <laughs> 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 and this is Bitches on Comics on Comic Books Couples Counseling. Yes. Uh, which is one of our favorite podcasts. We are so happy to be here for this Comics of the Year special episode. Yeah, 2021. So we're talking about our favorite comics from 2021. We were told to talk about one. So, of course, we have four. And we are absolutely delighted to share them with you. So first up, we have Nubia and the Amazons. Story by Stephanie Williams and Vita Ayala. Script by Stephanie Williams. Pencils by Aletha Martinez. Inks by Mark Morales. Colors by Emilio Lopez. Letters by Becca Carey. This art team, oh my God, it's so oh beautiful. God. You've probably seen these covers posted on Twitter or Instagram because they are absolutely gorgeous. I am seeing them all over the place and I couldn't be happier because Nubia is amazing. Amazing. I mean, that's that's one of the things I wanted to say is I feel like this comic brings so much gravitas to Nubia's story. You know, we've never gotten enough Nubia and I'm so happy to say that 2021 got to change that. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite thing about it, Sarah? 
Who everything. I mean, the dialogue is incredible. The storyline has been incredible. It's definitely something where all of the whole team is just creating something that is going to last, I think, for a long time. I think in like 10 years, we're all still going to be like, God, Nubia and the Amazons was so good. Yeah, I mean, the art's amazing. The writing's incredible. And, you know, specifically of interest to us is it introduces one of the first trans Themyscirans. So we have our first trans Amazon that we know of for sure. Her name's Bia. She's introduced in issue one and that's pretty fucking important. So we're absolutely delighted to get to share this comic with everybody. Welcome to the crew, Bia. Next up, we have Safe Sex Volume 2, Terms of Service. Written by Tina Horn, art by G. Romero Johnson, letters by Steve Wands, Colors by Kelly Fitzgerald. We just had G. Romero Johnson and Tina Horn on our podcast, and it was great because we got a lot of extra insight on the creative process around Safe Sex Volume 2. We talked also to Tina about Volume 1. This is one of our favorite comics because it is very, very pro-sex, obviously, perhaps, from the title, but I it really can't be overstated how how rare that is in comics for things to be sex positive in the way that safe sex is and also be telling this really compelling story about how control works in the world absolutely and sex robots uh you know it's rare for me to feel like a second volume is maybe better than the first volume i you know i'm not huge on ranking them but I really did think that Volume 2 is a standalone, incredible story. You almost don't even need to read Volume 1 to read Volume 2. You should, because it's also amazing. But Volume 2 is is just fantastic. The art's incredible. G. Romero Johnson brings so much juicy, thick horniness to the page that just makes you feel just what the characters are feeling. You know, Tina brought all of her depravity that we love so much and so much, you know, just joy and and respect for sex bots, which is so good to see. And um, I'm a sucker for an AI story. And Safe Sex Volume 2's Terms of Service does not disappoint. Next up, we have Harley Quinn, the animated series, The Eat, Bang, Kill Tour, written by T. Franklin, art by Max Sarin, colors by Marisa Louise, letters by Taylor Esposito. Oh my goodness. So obviously this is based off Harley Quinn, the animated series, but this comic picks up where season two of the series ends, which is great because it's just about Harley and Ivy in love. They are so in love. And so every time somebody these days is just talking about how those two can't, like they're always being broken up in DC proper, I guess. I'm always like, read this one, because <laughs> they're really fun <laughs> in it. And it's just it's kind of getting them back to the basics. It re- it's so good that it reminds me of uh, the Connor Palmiotti run in all of the best Absolutely. ways. But it is much more canonical with these two here, because they are like, for sure, having sexy times. But that's what it is. They're banging they're, on the roofs and the hoods of cars. Ugh. It's very much the Eat, Bang, Kill tour, for sure. So <laughs> if that sounds good to you... And I can't imagine why it wouldn't. (laughs) 
you should check out this book because yeah it's incredible it's been really fun you can get it easily on comiXology you can read it on the dc universe app you can buy it in print i'm sure that the trade paperback will be coming very soon so pick it up whatever you do because it's been really fun and and T Franklin's the writer, and T is just absolutely delightful. So good at humor. This is probably the funniest comic I've ever read. Yeah, and it's funny on so many levels. There's there's you know there are these little quippy puns that you know make Ivy groan when Harley makes them, and they're just I think irresistible. Two, I did want to comment on how great the art is. It's hard to write a comic based on an animated series and still develop your own feel in the art, but there are these beautiful panels. I'm thinking particularly of issue three where we get to see ivy pissed off and she reacts to things and the faces she makes it's just like oh hell yes Saren, you got it you are nailing ivy in this situation so it is just so fun i can't recommend it highly enough next up we have lunar room written by danny lore art by geo Sposito. Colors by DJ Chavis and letters by And World. My cat has come to join us for this part of the conversation. I think that Lunar Room was such an interesting, I mean, because we've had Danny on the podcast as well and the werewolf thing, right? So <laughs> Lunar Room is very much a werewolf story, but I feel like it has these kind of cyberpunk elements that make oh, it hell yeah. very fun in a way that I really haven't seen them be and of course there's like salty exes like lots of queerness (laughs) uh lots of action it's been a really fun comic so far i've only read i believe the first two issues but it's definitely one where i'm just like give me the next one i am excited to read more it's delightful. I mean, certainly a standout character is Sin, a werewolf who's had her wolf taken away and gets a little bit of access back to it in issue one, showing us like, oh my God, when she's fully powered up, like get out of here. And then it's also about this great mage and they are non-binary and they are mischievous and always fucking shit up. And it's lovely. It's like a comic about disaster queers who are doing supernatural cool shit and then also in an underground fight club. What? Sign me up. You know, folks, it's been a good year for comics and we were happy to highlight these four. For only comics. (laughs) It has been a good 2021. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We kept our words specific there. Thank you, CBCC, for having us. We love you. As always, we are your bitches, and we are on comics. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at @bitchesoncomics. <laughs> Sarah's cat broke something. In oh the my god! <laughs> you can find me, Se Fleenor, on Instagram and Twitter at, at @se underscore Fleenor, and you can find Sarah Century on Instagram and Twitter. She's cleaning up after her cat. You can find her at, at Sarah Century on both. I appreciate the cheating they did with their (laughs) clip. Uh, Four picks celebrating those comics. Bravo to them. And one of their picks is our selection for this category. Best number one comic. And it's got to be Nubia number one. 
Absolutely. The issue title is Paradise Lost. Stephanie Williams and Vita Ayala on story. Stephanie Williams script. Aletha Martinez pencils. Mark Morales inks. Emilio Lopez colors. Becca Carey on letters. Yeah. And there was so much excitement building up to the launch of Nubia. And whenever there's that much excitement, there's, you know, some jitteriness as well. You want it to be so good, but can they pull it off? And they absolutely do. The mystery that is set up in this first issue, with the Well of Souls being reawakened and these new Amazons stepping forth on the Themyscira, and then we have Doom's doorway and the prophecy of it, it's just so tantalizing. Like, it is painful when you hit that last page. You need that second issue. And the same thing goes on. The second issue concludes and you need the third issue and the fourth issue. I found Nubia to be one of the most addictive reads of 2021. When choosing a best number one, it really is about functionality. Mm -hmm. And I think reintroducing a character like Nubia, there is a great amount of risk. And I think that this first issue is exciting and enticing and comforting. It's going to a place that's warm and welcoming, introducing new characters that will worm their ways into our minds yeah, and hearts. Like the word comforting there, like I think is so important because you feel like you are in confident hands with Nubia number one. It's reassuring. It's very reassuring. And I'm I'm like, I, I continue to be excited as to where this story is going. And I think it will be like just one of those stories that continues to build and its tentacles will spread across the DC universe. And I, you know, you want Nubia to become one of the titans of DC. And I think what has been established here in this book is a definite possibility of that happening. I feel that Nubia issue one marks a sea change in DC comics and an episode change in the CBCC 2021 Best comics, end of the year, beginning of the year, extravaganza <laughs> friend party. Yeah, part one is over. Thank you for hanging out with us, but please jump to the next episode in this feed for part two. The party continues there. You'll get such categories as best food comic, uh, yeah. best ongoing monthly, best original graphic novel, best limited series, best writer, and best artist. And maybe a surprise or two. Because honestly, we do not have it completely planned out. No, no, we're still arguing on things. <laughs> we're still arguing on things. Uh, but thank you for hanging out. Again, reminder, go to those links in the show notes. Find all the people who helped us with this episode. Go follow their podcasts and websites. Did you, did you just forget the word websites? <laughs> uh, you could tell that, could you? <laughs> yes, I did. We're getting a little punchy, but we have a whole nother episode to do. So, Brad, mm. where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art, send them over to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend and more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. 
If you'd like to get exclusive, Mm. you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. We just started a new arc of Sandman. We're two issues into our readathon, Dream Country. It is a wild anthology. So yeah, Patreon, it's really cool over there. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cbccpodcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? Yeah. We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Did I uh, surprise you with a little like commentary? (laughs) You did. There's no improv allowed in the outro.